here I was standing last week and I said, it's only a few weeks more, winter and then it's summer. <laughs> How wrong I was. It was a very, very cold week. So, um, But praise God, you know what? Winter, summer, doesn't matter. God's faithful, isn't He? So wonderful. We want to continue this morning. And uh, you remember over the last few weeks we saw the last week happening or the last uh, part happening before the battle of Armageddon as we're opening up in chapter 15 and we're going to do chapter 15 and 16 we're going to see uh, John going back we've already seen what we're going to see today he's going back now and he's going to go over that last three and a half years when all of this trouble happened we've seen this in previous chapters Remember the devastation that's going to happen upon this world. Things falling out of the sky. Wormwood. Uh, the waters that's going to turn into blood. The seas. A third of the seas is going to be destroyed. All of that we've seen already. So to understand this is, he's going to go back now. The seven bowls of the wrath and the anger of God can be poured out on the world. And that all happens in the seven year time frame. But so much more intense over the last three and a half years. So he's now again filling in gaps. And as I said before, the world doesn't know what is coming. Fast asleep is this world. No wonder Jesus said it's going to be like in the days of Noah. For me, that's a big sign. Because if you look around you, what's going on in the world, they are continuing on as if nothing is going to happen. They look upon governments to help them, to help with the youth problem, to help with political problems right over the world, to help with financial problems that's going to happen. And, and let it be known, there will come a few financial crashes that's going to happen and people's lives will be destroyed. People who do not have their faith and hope in Jesus Christ, their lives will be destroyed. But that's not the wrath of God that's going to come. I absolutely believe the church will be taken out. But this now, in the last three and a half years, is so intense, it's so terrible what's going to happen. And, and in chapter 15, we find a little bit of a pause. And then we're going to see these bowl being, bowls being poured out. I don't want you to think that it is continuing on, you know, the, the seven trumpets and then or the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and then all of them is in a line. Some of those things are filled in back into that seven years. So as we look in chapter 1, Revelation uh, chapter 15 verse 1, he says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. He mentions it another great sign in heaven. And I believe that what he saw was not stars or anything. What he saw was these angels. And he calls it a great sign as they appear. We saw in Revelation chapter 12, there was a sign. You remember the woman in Revelation chapter 12. And here he says there's another sign. And all of these happens in that last three and a half years, as I said. Now, if we see the seven uh, plagues there, the last plagues, 
He talks about seven angels having seven last plagues. This goes back to Egypt. You remember the plagues that happened in Egypt? This is similar to those plagues that's happening there. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 26 verse 21, he says, Then if you walk contrary to me... Now, I just need to clarify for you that Leviticus was written to the nation of Israel. Don't get confused about that. So, in Leviticus, it was written to the nation of Israel. And God says to them, He says, If you, Israel, walks contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, what will happen? I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. Let it be known today that God will punish sin. Let it be known. There is no sin that God will overlook. He cannot overlook sin. God will punish sin. And here he speaks to the nation in Leviticus. He says, if you are walking contrary to me, in other words, if you are following the world, if you are not following my commandments, if you do not obey my commandments, that means to walk contrary to God. And let me say, dear friends, there's a lot of people today who are walking contrary to God. Although this was written to the nation of Israel, and we need to put it into that context, it still applies to us today as a church, as a people. What will happen? He will bring seven more plagues upon them according to their sin. Now we also know that when the nation of Israel was under the bondage of the Egyptians, what happened? When God wanted to get them out, He sent Moses to declare what to the Egyptians? Plagues that happened. And if you go through the book of Revelation, it is as if God is using exactly the same plagues that happened to Egypt. You remember the locust? In Revelation we find the locust. And we're going to see now out of these bowls, a lot of these plagues are repeated again. But in fact, I want to show you something there. He says, for in them the wrath of God is complete. You see that word wrath there? Or the anger of God? The word that's used here is the Greek word thymos. Thymos. The thymos of God is complete, it says there. In fact, there's two words, Greek words, used for wrath or for the anger of God. The one is thymos, which means a volatile, passionate anger. Now, when I drive down the motorway and I see a few people there and you get road rates, I want to use the word thymos because they are so passionate in going, what are you doing in front of me? What is this? Oh, there's a lot of people walking around today with thymos in their lives. Passionate anger. But let me say to you, dear friend, this anger coming from the throne of God is way outweighing that anger of mankind. So the second word that is used for the wrath or the anger of God is the word orge. Now orge means it's an anger from a settled disposition. And the word orge is used more in the New Testament than any other word for anger. And that is so befitting. Because the anger of God is going to come from a settled disposition. From where? From the throne of God. God's anger is already settled against sin. It's only going to be coming into effect. That's all that keeps it away. 
But here, this word thymos, which he uses here, he says, for in them, in the bowls, in the seven angels who's going to come now, the anger or the wrath of God is complete. That word thymos is only used 11 times in the New Testament. And 10 of those times in the book of Revelation. 10 times. So this tells me, dear friends, that the anger of God is going to be passionate against what? Against the sin of the world. I think it's good to know that. I think it's good to know that, that if and when you want to do and commit a sin willingly, that you remember that the anger, the thymus of God is going to be against the sin that is conducted. Uh, and then he says, the wrath of God is complete. You see the word complete there? It means it's filled up. The wrath of God is filled up. It's reached its end. It's not as if God is just blowing off steam here, like some of us do, isn't it? When you get angry. You just want to get it off your mind. You just want to blow off the steam and now you feel better. God's not like that. That's not the kind of anger he's talking here. He says that the anger, the thymus of God has reached the limit. And once that limit is there, he is now pouring it out on the earth. And it is important to know that. So, in verse 2 he says, And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over the mark, and the, the, over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. There is so many people in the world who's got so many different interpretations of the sea of glass. Honestly. And I still believe that Nobody has actually come to the point of understanding what it is. I know some of you might say, I know exactly what it is. But the fact that I went and I researched this and I find, I think it is over a hundred different views of this. But if we go back into Scripture and apply what we've learned before about when he uses these words, we can have an idea of that. Now, I'm by far not the final say on this. I'm not the final professor um, having a say over this at all. But if we think about a sea in the past, and he's speaking in a Jewish terms, we realize that the sea is talking about the world. Remember when he was standing on the, when, in, in the previous chapters, when, when he was standing on the sand, he can see out of the sea came this beast. The sea was representing the world. The Jews didn't like the sea. They saw the sea as unholy and, 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 and as defiled, and they didn't like that. So here we find it could be a meaning of the sea of glass is out of the world, but then he talks about glass, which means it's very fragile. And this is a different kind of sea because it is mingled with what? With fire. What do we know that fire stands for in the New Testament? Judgment. It is judgment. It is interesting because we find the sea again in Revelation chapter 4 verse 6. He says, before the throne there was a sea of glass. You see that? Like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. Now, this is the sea, which I believe is the same sea, the sea of glass. Now it's mingled with fire, which is showing the judgment. But what is crystal then standing for? Crystal is standing for the holiness of God, which is in front of the throne. There is some 
commentators who say that the sea here represents the Word of God. Which again, if they go back into Ephesians chapter 5, he says that, we, verse 22 I believe it is, we will be washed by the Word. Which again, you know, I can't find any fault with that, but it is needless to say that this sea of glass, it is very brittle. I mean, it's a sea of glass. It can be broken. This one here is with fire and it's talking about the judgment. Now, you remember in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, when Jesus appeared, he says, indeed, uh, John the Baptist, he looked at Jesus, he says, indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worried to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And it amazes me these days how people do not understand when he spoke about the baptism in fire. Now, if fire is the judgment of God and portraying the judgment, if we go to Revelation and we see how Jesus, his fiery eyes and so on, and that is portraying the judgment, I can't understand these days how a lot of people come into churches, pray for people, lay hands on them and say, Fire! As if... There's a blessing in that. No, no, he says he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, first of all. There's the blessing. And with fire, it means that there will come a judgment on sin. And here we find the sea of glass is like, a, uh, like fire. And verse 3 he says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Have you seen that this song has got two titles? Have you seen that? He says, first of all, the song of Moses. This refers back to Exodus chapter 15. What happened there? The nation came out of Egypt. And then the Pharaoh realized that they were gone. And the people started complaining to the Pharaoh. They say, where is all these laborers, these slaves of us? Now we have to do the hard work. And Pharaoh got his chariots and he started pursuing them. And where did they come? The nation to the Red Sea. They were cornered in. And if you look on the map today, you will find that they were truly cornered in. There was no way of escape. The only way for them was through the sea. And what did, what did Moses say when they saw the dust and they saw, saw these armies coming on? They were going to die in the wilderness. They wanted to jump into the sea. They wanted to, to make a run for it. They couldn't fight. They didn't have an army. What did Moses say to them? Come on, you know the story. He said, stand and wait. How wonderful is that? What strategy is in that? Come on. Come on, Moses. We followed you. We would have thought you are this leader who is now going to give us all of this wisdom. And the only words you can say is stand and wait in the face of diversity, of affliction, of danger, of killing. Wait. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Wait. And then what happened? The Lord opened up the sea. You know the story. They went right through. They walked through. And then when the, 
Egyptians came and they were halfway through. They all died in there, didn't they? I remember the story of a young boy who was in Sunday school. And his teacher said to them, you've got to take this with a grain of salt. They couldn't have walked through on dry land. They walked through ankle deep in the water. And this little boy turned to his teacher. He says, well, then it's a bigger miracle. Because those fierce army and those chariots, they all drowned in ankle deep water. So this is it, dear friends. This is the song of Moses. And then he says also the song of the Lamb. You see that? Moses, remember, he represents the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ, he represents the New Testament. Moses represents the Old Covenant. And Jesus Christ, the New Covenant. And look at this now. Look at this. I want you to see the picture here. How can these people sing the song? Well, I've went through and I highly recommend you go and read the song of Moses in, the, in Exodus chapter 15. It's not word for word exactly the same as this one. For, for a starter, here I find where they sing, O King of the Saints, of the Saints. Saints is a New Testament concept. It's not an Old Testament concept. The nation who was standing there at the Red Sea was not saints. They were the Jews. They were the Israelites. Hence, hence, this is the song of Moses. But it's also the song of the New Testament. Because, friend, whether you like it or not, you and I were born in sin. And you know what? We were cornered. We were cornered at a place, not the Red Sea, but it's the Red Sea of sin. We had no way to run. Sin was cornering us. The Egyptians were cornering them. The Egyptians were going to kill them. In the New Testament slash, for us, sin is going to kill you. If, if, look, listen to me. If you do not get rid of sin, sin will get rid of you. It breaks your bones. It makes you sick. Go and read the Psalms. Here we are, standing at a crossroad of continuing in your sin and waiting for the army till they cut us up and kill us. Or, we wait upon God. And He comes in, Jesus Christ, and He dies at the cross for us. And what does He do? He parts the sea of sin for us to walk right through into the glory of God. How wonderful is that? Friend, if you understand what I'm saying now, you will also sing the song of Moses. But more so, more so you will sing the song of the Lamb. Are you singing that song? Are you washed by the blood of the Lamb? Oh, I get so excited when we sing. I love singing. This is a song, and they say to the King of the Saints, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glory for your name? You see, I can preach a whole sermon about this song. There's one thing that I can identify. When this nation was standing at the Red Sea, who did they fear? They feared the Egyptians. They feared Pharaoh coming. See, he's coming. We can see him. Oh, Moses, Moses. There's no graves in Egypt, they say. But we're all going to die here. What have you done? You see, there was no fear of God. There was a greater fear for man. Same, same now. 
the fear of the world, the fear of man, the fear of sin. And here he goes, he says, Who shall not fear you? Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? Can you see the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? The old and the new. Praise the Lord. Verse 5 says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open, and out of the temple came the seven angels having seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chest girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls full of wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And who? what do you think is that word for wrath of God there? Thymos. The passionate anger of God. Okay? And the other thing about these angels, they look the same as the priests of the, of the Old Testament. They look the same. It says it right there. Having their plagues, it says, they were clothed in pure bright linen and having their chest girded with golden bands. Look like the priests of the Old Testament. I want you to understand that. And, and the, uh, the bowls were full of the wrath of God. And in verse 8 he says, The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Again, this refers back to the Old Testament. You remember when they were traveling out of that bondage in Exodus chapter 40 verse 34. He says, Then a cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So what is the difference here? Remember, it is the Old Testament, the New Testament, the song of the Lamb of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Here we now see in Revelation chapter 15, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. Where was this temple he's talking about? It was the temple in heaven. It was filled. And then in the Exodus he talks about the temple on earth. If you go and read when the instructions was given to Moses, uh, when the instruction was given to, to build the temple and, and to make, make a place of, of worship, it is a carbon copy of what is in heaven. It's exactly the same. And here you and I have the privilege today to see, to see like John see, uh, uh, the door open in heaven, to see how it looks in heaven. While we sit here in 2017, how, how wonderful is that? That we see things that the normal man on the street can't see. You see, what is so impressive about that? Well, let me tell you what is alarming about this. These bowls in the last three and a half years is going to be poured out on the face of the earth. And now it says that they, we cannot enter into that temple. How do you and I today enter into the temple of heaven? How? Through? Through prayer. Isn't it right? We can't physically go up there, although there's a lot of people proclaiming that and writing books. It's a lot of nonsense. Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I believe every word that the Bible tells me about heaven. If you've got an experience, that's just an experience. This is not just an experience. No, no, no. This is a manifestation. You get me now? 
An experience, I've experienced something. Woe and behold, that is filled with emotions. This is not filled with emotions. This is a manifestation. Jesus Christ came and He says, Father, I've done what? I've experienced you in the world? No. He says, I've manifested you into the world. It's a manifestation. How do we enter into the Holy of Holies today? Through our high priest. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Where is He now? He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Do you believe that? Where is that place? It's the Holy of Holies. Is that place on the earth? No, it's not. Is it in heaven? Yes, it's in heaven. So whenever you and I pray, what do we pray? We say, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Where does our prayers go to? It goes to Him. So in prayer, in prayer, you and I... How wonderful it is that we can enter today. If we close our eyes right now and pray, we go on our knees, we pray, we stand, we pray, we drive in our car, we pray, we enter into the Holy of Holies. How privileged are you? (coughs) How privileged am I that a, a mere mortal man can enter into the presence of God, the Creator of the universe? Have you ever thought about that? But here, now in Revelation... We see him saying there, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. What in the world does he want to say? I want to say to you, friend, that prayers now is not going to help anymore. Heaven, the Holy of Holies, is shut. Prayers is not going to help at this point in time. You can't enter that. He sees it right there. No one can enter it. So you better say your prayers while it's open. In Revelation chapter 16 verse 1, he says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple. You see the saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth, and the earth don't even know what's coming. Oh, they're going to have NASA shooting up missiles and rockets to try to deflate a planet that's coming, Wormwood. They're going to have these scientists walking around in front of CNN and say, Global warming! Global warming! We better cut down on emissions! We better do this! The world's going to go crazy, my friend. As never before. And they don't even know what's happening in heaven. They don't even know that there is an angel, a loud voice. And in fact, let me correct myself. They don't even know there's a loud voice from the temple that's going to say to seven angels, pour out bowls on the earth. And what in the world are they going to be able to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mankind can't save himself. That's why we need a savior. You see, for them now, it's a preservation of life. Let's save the planet. Ooh, let's save the planet. And all of a sudden, now you get all of these lobby groups who's now putting animal in front of people. You know, we can't have animals dying, but men, people, souls are dying by the thousands. But what gets front news? The poor animals. Have they got souls? Look, I'm an animal lover. I've got dogs and I love animals. I love horses. I love little monkeys. I was going to do a funny thing, but I shouldn't. 
but they do not have a soul like they were not created in the likeness of man so how is it now today in 2017 that animals has got more rights than mankind they don't even know this voice is saying throw out these these uh, the wrath of God let's go through that verse 2 Revelation 16 verse 2 so the first went out and poured out his bowl on the earth and full a foul and loathsome source came upon men who had the mark of the beast and those who worship his image terrible source terrible source think about that now I want to bring you remember when I said we are going back now okay so we're going back every time and we're looking we're filling the gaps you remember when the locusts came out of the pit the, the 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 abyss you remember when they came out and they were inflicting people with pain but they couldn't kill them yes you remember that passage this might be the same way or it might be when people take the chip and there's a chemical reaction but listen to this dear friends there is foul and loathsome source that's going to come over the population of the earth I don't know if you've had some of these sores. It's foul. What does it mean? It stinks. It's irritating. It's sore. Pash coming out of it. I can't look at you because pash is coming out of all of your sores. But you can't look at me because pash is coming out of my sores. And it's stinking. And you can get the best deodorant that you can get. And it won't take that stench away because it's, it's foul, it's loathsome, it's sore, it's painful. If there's a businessman here who wants to make money, start getting something which will take away the stings. But you will lose money because it's not going to work. Think about this. What a terrible thing. Same happened in Egypt. Verse 3, Then a second angel poured out, his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died I mean we see now sometimes when when whales they say commit suicide okay put it into a, 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 a you know human environment they swam out onto the shores and they die and what does people do they try to get them back Imagine now the sea turns into the blood of a dead man. It's not just blood. I went, they took my blood last week, just on Monday, I went and they took my blood. And you look at the blood, I, I've got no issue with blood, okay, I can look at it. But fresh blood is different from the blood of a dead man, have you noticed? It's terrible, it's sticky. This is coming. And, and, and also remember, it's not, oh, the source is going to happen now, and then the source is going to go away like in Egypt, and now the next thing is going to happen. No, no, no. These things just happen, friends. As we are sitting here with pus coming out and source and, you know, you know one on my nose, and I don't know, you know, it's, it's just terrible to think about this stuff. Then I want to go and just lie into the sea or just get some cold water over this. I come to the sea and it's what? It's blood as of a dead man. How terrible. I want you to see how terrible this is. Hopefully this shocks somebody who listens to this and go, you know what I need to do? I need to come to the cross of Christ. 
and repent of my sins because I definitely don't want to go through that. Then a third, in verse 4, angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. They became blood. It is so interesting, friends, that God will punish evil. And that what you do with others will come upon yourself. For I remember as I read through the book of the Word of God that in the Old Testament, what did they do with the prophets of God? They killed them. Blood was flowing. Now it's as if God says, you will drink that blood. Remember, I'm sore. The sea is blood. I'm thirsty. I go to a spring of nice crystal clear water and it's blood. It's blood. Verse 5, And I heard an angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Why? Why is he righteous? Because you've judged these things. Let it be known today we serve a holy God, but we also serve a judging God, a just God, a righteous God. And here it is mentioned, just what I said before. You know those people who are getting away with all of these things these days? Wait a minute, there's cometh a day. They will not escape the judgment of God. And now the, the angel of the waters is saying it. He says, you have judged these things. In verse 6 he says, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. There you go. And you give them blood to drink. You remember, if we rewind back earlier on, when we saw this sea of people underneath the altar, those who were martyred and were killed, and they cried out, they said, How long, God? How long? You remember that passage? It's as if it's now the time that these people who killed them Look, I want to say it today. If, if ISIL, if they, if they behead a Christian because he's a child of God, let it be known today that the blood that comes out of that man, if they survive, if they survive, they will drink blood because they've done that. That is how serious God is about His children. For they've shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you gave them the blood to drink. For it is their just due. And I heard another from an altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And in verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and was power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fire, great heat. Where is Mr. Al Gore? Inconvenient truth, which is turned into the inconvenient lie. And don't worry, he's bringing out his second, his second movie of inconvenient, I think, I couldn't remember what it is. And it's filled with more lies. I don't know if you know it, but your life is going to change. Because these people who want to save this planet with omissions and gases. And, and, and look, look, sooner you and I, if we say, look, God is keeping this whole world. That's what I believe. Do you believe that? So if God is keeping this world, who is mankind to say that we can destroy it? 
oh, I'm going to build the biggest bomb which is going to blow the whole earth into smittens. Good luck with that if God don't approve that. <laughs> Go, have a, have, a, have, a, have a great day. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. Oh, but we're driving our cars and the emissions goes in the air. We are destroying the earth and, and in 2020 we, we're not going to be able to breathe. Well, good luck with that if God don't approve that. Can't you understand that these things that they say to your children, to you and me, every single day from the TV, which I also think, when I think, believe it's fake news, can't you understand that that is an attack against God Himself? If you're a child of God and you believe that He says that He will hold the earth and He will hold you and He, every single thing happens on His commands and so on, what in the world can they do? Does it mean that I'm going to walk down through all my my lollipapers into the waters and, and damage the wood. No, no, that's not what it means. These things is coming. And, and by the way, this heat that's going to come, the scorching of the sun is going to be terrible. Terrible. Again, think for yourself now. I'm sitting full of sores. It's loathsome. It's foul. I can't drink water. I can't go and lie in the sea and have a holiday next to uh, you know, at Bondi Beach in Sydney because it's blood. And now, the scorching heat comes. What happens with your body? It dehydrates. What do you need? Water. What are you going to drink? Blood. You talk to survivors who's in the sea. They know that they can't drink that seawater. Why? Because it messes with their brains. They start hallucinating. And what do they do? If they get thirsty, they start drinking it. That's what man's going to do. And here, now one would think at this point in time, through all of this hardness, people will turn to God. And men, verse 9, were scorched with the great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give Him glory. It says it right there. They blasphemed against God, who has power over these plagues Jesus Christ is in this boat you remember the storm, the tempest was going on he was sleeping and his disciples got really really afraid of what's going on, the water was already filled, the boat was filled with water then they wake him up and they say don't you worry that we're going to perish and he says oh you of little faith and what did he do, he spoke to the wind he had power over the wind and the wind, and they were amazed by what happened. Here is the same thing. It says it right there. They blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. Instead of falling down and repenting, verse 10 says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and the kingdom became full of darkness, and they not, not, is that right? Shall I do it with my teeth now? <laughs> They know they were biting so hard on, the, on their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. So there's now a darkness coming just over, just over the beast, the throne of the beast. So this is not a total world darkness. I want you to understand that there's pain in this darkness. Have you seen that they, 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 not, they were biting on their tongues out of the pain? 
Can you see how terrible this becomes? The sores, no water to drink, blood, scorching sun. What is one more worst thing that can happen now? You sit in darkness and you can't see anything. That's how it happened. It happened back in the day in Exodus. There was darkness over Egypt only, only where the Israelites were, they were light. You understand that this darkness, you can't even flick a light on or put on a candle in this light. It's darkness. You, you turn on the light, you can't even see the flame. You and I can't comprehend it. And there's pain in this darkness. So imagine yourself sitting there, you're hot because the sun, sun has scorched everything. Although it's darkness, it's still hot. You're sweating all of your water out. You can't. You're just sitting here drinking blood. And, and, and here you go. It's sore and everything. You can't see anything. And your bites are hot and you're done. It's terrible, friends. But let it be known. Why is it so terrible? It's the result of sin. Twice now. Twice now there's a reference back to them not repenting. Twice. So it's not as if it's God sitting there on His throne and go, Ooh, see what happens to them. Let's give them more. God's not like that. No, no. He's faithful. He's merciful. He's graceful. He wants to help. He wants to save them. He's got the power to do that. But do you think mankind want to do that? But look, let's not ask point to the future to these people who are truly dumb in what they're doing. Let's think about us today, how people are just conducting their sin and going on as if nothing is going to happen. Know this for sure. There is judgment for sin. Then in verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that they, uh, the, the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Remember, the dragon was a type of God the Father. And out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the Holy Spirit. The, un the, the unholy spirit, I should say. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle the great day of the God Almighty. <clears throat> Everything now leads up to a crescendo. Verse 15, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. He says these unclean spirits were like frogs in form. The ancient Jews regarded frogs as unclean. Hence he writes that. They, they regarded frogs as unclean and repulsive but the Egyptians they regarded frogs as what? as gods as gods and here it's, it's, it's unclean like frogs coming out of these three this is the last three and a half but they all are pulling into this battle of Armageddon verse 17 then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and the loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying it is done it is done it is such a big contrast between Jesus Christ hanging on the cross shouting it is finished it is finished 
and it is done there's a difference here my friend it is finished to care of your sins so that you and I have a chance to stand before God it is done is the judgment of God is complete if you think this is terrible what these people are going to go through if it blows your mind that these people will go through that think about this when it's done and they die and land in the lake of fire which these people will go to this torment which they've lived in the last three and a half years of their lives will not stop it will continue forever or if you're one of those who think it's only an figment of the imagination that they say hell there waits a massive surprise for you it is done and in verse 18 and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake there was a great earthquake Surya, can you go and call your mom i'm nearly finished my girl such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nation fell and great babylon was remembered before god to give her cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath then every island fled away and the mountains were not found and a great hail from heaven fell upon men each hailstone about the weight of a talent men blasphemed god because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great so what is the seventh uh, 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 one that was thrown into the air massive hail storm remember again this is repeating what we've had before in revelation we saw how the navy how the islands will be shaken and here it says that the islands will flee away is Australia an island? I think it's a little bit bigger than New Zealand. <laughs> the Maoris believe that New Zealand is this, this uh, turtles which was fished out of the ocean and now it's floating and one day it's going to go down. You know what? They don't actually realize that what they are saying is written in the Bible that that island is going to fly, fly away or be flying away, not like in the air, fled away from God. We're going to see Great Babylon in the next two weeks or as we continue on and I'll talk about that at that point in time. Every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Can you think about this? This hail, that storm that fell from men, even upon men, each hailstone a weight of talent. That's big hailstones, not tennis balls. We're talking about boulders. Where is mankind going to escape? They're going to bring this big army through the river of Euphrates, trying to fight God. With what? With what are you going to fight God? You're going to shoot your nuclear bombs into heaven to heat what? But instead, there's these blocks of hail coming down and just crushing everything, panzers and everything. I don't know if you've noticed, friends, but the world is preparing for a war everybody saying the third world war is going to happen soon have you noticed it's coming out of every circle every person is talking about it. they just wait for this madman in north korea to press a button and boom the whole world goes off 
they're just waiting for some belief that Trump, you know, I, I've got more time for Trump than a lot of people do, but, you know, he's going to press the button because he's so more mad than the guy from North Korea. Or what about Vladimir Putin? Russia is playing a big role now. What about China? We've got all of these things happening in the world, China and, and the South Sea. China is playing a different war, let me just warn you now. China is still, red China, still a com communist country. It hasn't changed. Oh, but we don't look at that now because we do trade with them, and if we cut down the trade, look, we're going to feel it in our pockets, and we're going to be, let's just keep on doing this. But let me tell you, they are buying out more land, Australian, New Zealand, American, South African land than ever before. And they are buying out the production of food because I think it's something like 18% of their continent can make food. Where is the biggest places that can make food? Australia. They are buying these big companies now who's producing food. You say, well, that's good because we get this foreign investment coming into our country and, and our dollars is good. It's not good, friend, because one day is one day that they're going to start shipping out this food into China and you and I can't do anything about it because it doesn't belong to us. Be careful. It's happening under our noses. And here we are just waiting until tomorrow. It's going to be all good. The sun's going to come up. So what do you want us to do? Get some weapons and fight them? No, no, no. Make sure that you follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Because He will sustain us. So there we go. Seven bowls which was thrown out on the earth. We find the bowl. We see the, the source that came onto people. The sea that turned into red. Every animal dies. The water, the rivers. You can't drink of that water. The heating sun that comes upon man. The darkness over this. The Antichrist sitting there and, and his followers, every single one of them. The Euphrates that is drying out so that all of these nations can come in and have their war against God and think they're going to be victorious. And then the hailstorms that falls from heaven, massive hailstorms. And in all of this, one would think they will fall down and shout, God Almighty, have mercy on us. Render their clothes. Have sackcloth and ass upon their heads. But no. No. Not prideful man. No. What prideful man will do is we'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll put out our hands in heaven and swear against God. Thank you, Lord, for your great faithfulness. That if we come to the cross and we don't stand and shout to God and curse Him, but we fall on our knees in front of a cross and we ask Him and say, Lord, I acknowledge I'm a sinner, I'm a dirty sinner, and I know in my heart that you judge sin this way. Please forgive me, my Heavenly Father, for I'm a sinner. But He comes and He sheds His blood on us. Listen, there's a difference of drinking, drinking blood out of the sea and out of rivers, but that Him shed His blood in your heart and wash your white and snow. Then you will not drink blood. The choice is yours. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning. You are such a grateful God, a merciful God, a gracious God, but also a just God. We thank you, Lord, that as we read through these passages, 
that not fear grab your hearts, Lord, but thankfulness. But also, Lord, eagerness. Eagerness to shed your gospel.